Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Today, the title of my message is Grace Frees Us to Be Good. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, fill this room as we cried out, sang out loud this morning. We want you to take over the sharing of this message. God, I'm the spokesman, but you are the only preacher here this morning. Just feel the hearts of every listener, of the sound of my voice. I pray, God, that everyone can be edified, built up. Let us grow in grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. I'm going to cover a very important block of verses, so I need all your heart and mind with me. Say amen, everybody. Galatians 5, verse 1 says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. It sounds redundant. It sounds unnecessary to emphasize. But yes, Paul is making an emphasis here. You receive freedom. Christ set you free so you can definitely enjoy freedom. The question is, are you enjoying freedom? And then... He insists, stand firm there, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Verse 2, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify against every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Mm, who can do that? Who can keep the whole law? You are se severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love every christian needs three types three kinds of deliverance the first deliverance that every believer has to experience the first liberation is deliverance from the devil the devil is this dictator this very um uh, fat uh, 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 is lawful and um, wicked uh, mafia boss. And he has a lot to give orders and to impose fear, but he himself is nothing. He has absolutely no power at all. However, he keeps people under his bondage and dictatorship under fear. So uh, the first deliverance we all need to experience is the freedom of the fear of death. In which the devil uses a lot to oppress people. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself... Likewise, partook the same things that through death, Jesus, he might destroy the one 
who has the power of death. That is the devil. Now pay attention. The writer of Hebrews saying that the devil has the power of death. What power is that? Verse 15. Jesus delivered all those who through fear of death. Say fear of death. Fear of death were subject to the lifelong slavery. Yes, that, that's the only weapon the devil has. It is the fear of death. That's how the devil controls people, through fear. He is the father of lies and bounds his slaves through fear. It is sad to say, but Christ died for the whole world. Actually, Christ already uh, disposed this king, this emperor, not this king, this emperor, this devilish emperor that is oppressing the people. But most people don't know that. Look how amazing this verse. First John chapter 2 verse 2 says, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know what is crazy? The world, it is a prisoner of an open jail. And the only thing they need is to accept to get out of there by faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus took the keys of death and hell. So Jesus already opened the cage. But the world is still under the oppression of the devil because they are afraid of death. The second deliverance that every believer has to experience, every Christian has to experience, is the deliverance of the power of sin. Is that idea that now I am obliged, I have to submit myself into the cravings and the, and the uh, 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 desires that comes from my flesh. Paul is going to remind us in Romans chapter 6, we're going to read a big block of verses here. But please try to keep uh, your focus in every verse we're going to read together now. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him. Come on, say a good amen in the house. I know that, like my, my old sinful nature with its cravings and, and desires and sinful and immoral desires was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, my physical body, that it was subjected, was leaning into always to these desires, now was brought to nothing. Look what it says, the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7, for one who has died. Say, I am dead. I'm going to say, I am dead. If you are baptized in Christ Jesus, you can 
confidently say, I am dead. Come on, any dead people in the house? You are dead. You are dead in Christ. You were buried with Him. But wait a minute, you are not only dead, but you also enjoy resurrection life. But for the moment, for the sake of the deliverance of sin, embrace by faith this fact. This is not a, a make-believe thing. This is a, a spiritual fact. You are dead with Christ. For the one who has died, verse 7, has been set free from sin. Let's jump to verse 14. Look what it says. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. Somebody might ask, Pastor, maybe this message of grace is what leading people into more sin. And Paul explains, not at all. Don't you know that you already are dead through baptism? Let me explain you this. Through baptism, Christ defeated all power and rule of sin in your life. While your friends might say now that you are Christian, now that you decided to be a churchgoer. Oh, it's, your life seems to be just in a box, but truly they are in the box. They only can enjoy life getting drunk. They only can enjoy happiness getting high. The only way they can actually feel satisfied if it is they actually defeated someone and oppressed somebody else around them. They, they are in the box. I am free from all these things. Through the baptism, I receive the gift of a new life. So God changes believers so they can obey Him from the heart. Look verse 18 of the same chapter. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Grace frees me to be good. Now, the question still remains, because Paul in Galatians, which is our verse, says that Christ set us free so we could truly enjoy freedom. Is Paul speaking here in Galatians about the freedom of the devil? The context doesn't, let, don't, doesn't lead us into believing that. Is Paul speaking about Christ set me free in order to enjoy freedom of sin? Also, the context doesn't allow me to consider that. The context leads me to understand that Paul is speaking about the deliverance of the number three problem of every believer. We need to be delivered from the law. You say, really, pastor? Yeah, because when you think about the Christian life, usually that's our, the cycle in our Christian life. Usually a believer, they receive freedom from the devil. They don't want anything else with demonic activities and the devil operation in their lives. They experience the joy and the relief of a life without the consequences of sin. However, a lot of faithful and, and sincere Christians see themselves later on leaning on their own works in order to please God. And Paul insists that this is a way of slavery. We're called to be free also from the law. And someone is going to say, Pastor, but this is very serious. Because, look, I, I got your list. The number one to be delivered is the devil. Very bad, very evil. Uh, the sin is also horrible, immoral, wicked. I don't want anything with the, with the sin. But you are placing the same list of deliverance. That I have to be delivered from the law? 
It's not me putting the law together with the evil list here. Actually, think with me. The Bible says in John chapter 10 that the devil is a destroyer. He's a stealer. He's a murderer. The devil came to bring murder, to kill, to destroy. He is the agent of death. Also, we know by Romans that the consequence or the wages of sin is death. So, yes, it makes sense to say that the devil is related to death, that sin is related to death. But is the law also related to death? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. Please follow up with me, everybody. It says, now, if the ministry of death, come on, repeat after me, ministry of death. I don't want anything with this ministry of death. What in the world is the ministry of death? If the ministry of death carved in letters on stone. Now answer me, you Bible student. What was the only thing that was carved in stones in the Old Testament? The Ten Commandments, the law. Look what Paul is daring to say. He's saying that the letters written on stones... It's called, it's nicknamed by Paul as the ministry of death. That ministry came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Now pay attention to verse 9. Now Paul explains a little bit more why the law can be the ministry of death, he says, for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation. Say ministry of condemnation. Ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness, must far exceed it in glory. So that's the problem of the law. When you take the law as your means to feel righteous before God. In the standing righteousness before God. The only result the law will produce is death and condemnation. I'm saying this, say, Pastor, but I don't feel that the law is as bad as the devil and sin. Pay attention, I'm saying. If you are using the law as your way to put yourself in righteousness before God, if you are trusting your own obedience in order to feel accepted before God, Yes, the law is as bad as the devil in sin. The ministry of death and condemnation are the com commandments. Paul says that this is the only result of the law. Of those that rely on the law. It is a feeling of death and condemnation. Pastor, but I, I see that there are some good in the law... In producing holiness, commitment. Actually, pastor, because I threat my son, my daughter, and the law, now I have she behaving better. Yeah, I just count the days and probably she's going to become rebellious again. Because you don't change the nature of people imposing law. You have to count with the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says in Romans 6.14. The only way to overcome sin is not going back to the law, but is actually trusting more the grace of God. Why there are so many brothers fearful of being used by God. 
Why we don't have more volunteers? Why when we challenge people to open their houses and be life group leaders, they say, no, I'm not ready yet. It's because they are still relating to God in the basis of the law. Grace means that God does something for me. This is what grace means. But the law means I do something for God. To be free from the law means that I relate to God knowing that He is no longer requiring anything from me because Jesus Himself made everything necessary. Am I encouraging you to passivity, to numbness and this lawful lifestyle? Absolutely not. Actually, grace frees us to be good. The only way to enjoy real transformation is allowing the power of grace inside of you. That's why I want to explain that. Because the power to overcome sin is not in the law. The power to overcome sin. Am I talking about that habitual, uh, sinful lifestyle? That, that problem of character. That, that problem of rebellion. That problem of lies. That problem of immorality. Pornography. Uh, uh, impurity. Whatever you're struggling. That area that you want to see victory in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting role. Let me say something. The power to overcome sin is in grace. Not in the law. The power to subdue, subdue sin is in the grace and not in the law. And why? It's simple. Look, if you get an athlete and he has a race, he has a competition, there is a scheduled championship coming up. If that athlete starts to embrace the mindset, my team is the worst. I'm the slowest of all, all the racers. I am really unable. My physical uh, 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 training will never uh, result in anything good. If he starts just affirming himself over and over again, that defeat mindset, what do you think is going to happen with him in the competition days? You're going to lose. It's just simple math. But that's what the law does. The law just affirms how... Uh, powerless we are how weak we are to really please God so there is no way to overcome sin knowing already that you are doomed to defeat the right belief leads to the right living we don't need necessarily to change circumstances around us we need to change our belief it is grace and forgiveness that gives us the power to subdue sin it is not Grace that causes us to sin. But the law. Just think about that. Kids, boys, playing ball. Nothing wrong with them. Just being wild. Little animals. Running after each other. Until they see a sign in an empty house. Do not enter. And two or three genius leaders of the group are going to say, what about we just break into that house? What happened to those angel boys they were just playing ball that suddenly made them willing to break into the house the law the law is the power of sin it's not me saying that first corinthians chapter 15 verse 56 the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks to be god come on somebody who gives us victory through our lord Jesus Christ. The victory over sin is not in the law, but through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I say to you, don't think in Mickey Mouse. It just came to your mind. When I establish the law, sin is awakened, is stirred. Pastor, answer me honestly. Does grace encourage people to live in sin? Look, you might have encountered someone that claims to be in grace. Therefore, I live in that sinful, debauchery lifestyle. Okay, that person is a liar. Because the Bible says very clear that if you really got grace, you will never embrace a lifestyle in sin. It is impossible. It doesn't make sense. No, no, but the person says that he understood grace and that's why he or she keeps that immoral lifestyle. Yeah, like I can say that I'm Napoleon. I can say anything. And it's not necessarily the truth. The truth is what the Bible says. If a person genuinely experiences grace, they will have an urgence. They're going to have a desire for a holy life, for a consecrated life. Look, let me explain this very clear. The law demands a lot from us, but offers no help at all. But it about grace, Pastor. Jesus demands even more, but he empowers us from our, our heart, from a transformation within to obey his commandments when you read for example the sermon on the mount matthew chapter 5 matthew chapter 6 and chapter 7 you see that the standards of jesus is extremely high in the law was a matter of adultery actually going there and committing sexual immorality with someone that is already married but jesus says you if you looks at a woman with lustful intent you have already committed adultery. It's a much more elevated aspect. You see, so how can I actually obey that? My transformation has to happen within. Romans chapter 10 verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. Say everyone who believes. That's our commandment. We have to believe. We were transferred to another jurisdiction. Look, the world, the lost world, they are still under the perfect law of God. They will be judged because they are still under the law jurisdiction. The law of God, the perfect law of God. Which, by the way, is a wisdom key here. Pay attention to this key. Every time you deal with the things of the world, don't try to deal with the things of the world in the, in the mindset of grace. Because they are still under the law. However, if an embassy here in the United States is established. The law that rules inside of that embassy is not the same rules and laws of the United States. It doesn't matter if you are in the United States uh, uh, territory. If you are inside of the embassy, you are ruled and you are under the country that sin or established that embassy. We were transferred to another jurisdiction. We are in the embassy of heaven. And for us, we are not under the law. We are in the law of grace. In other words, in other words, if the world is ruled by Matthew chapter 538, for example, you have heard that if you said an eye for an eye and a tooth, for a tooth, 
But in the embassy of God, the law of grace is much higher. Jesus actually says, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other, turn to him the other also. Come on, Pastor, I can't do that. I know you, you cannot. You only can if you are Christ himself. And that's the point about grace. is allowing Christ to live your own life. Philippians chapter 2, 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who changes, who works in you both the will and the work for his good pleasure. It is God that changes our nature. Are you guys following up what I'm saying? So about the grace. You will not be changed because I'm imposing raw laws and regulations and commandments to you. You have to have a change from within. Now let's go back to our text here in Galatians. Because Paul makes an important point about circumcision. Is circumcision so bad that Paul had to emphasize that extremely here in this book? Let's go back to the context. Paul is dealing with the Judaizers, those uh, Pharisaic people, okay, those uh, legalistic, religious people that were invading, that, was, that were cripple, creeping in the Galatian church and robbing them from their freedom. The motto, the slogan of the Judaizers, we can hear this in Acts chapter 15. They were saying this within the Gentile churches. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. There's another verse that says, it is necessary to circumcise the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, and in order for them to keep the law of Moses. If they want to be called people of God, they have to have the sign of circumcision. You're going to say, Pastor, it's not such a big deal. It's just a minor surgery. You know what, that is so important for Paul to go so, you know, hard on that aspect. Because represented something very important. If the Galatians will embrace the feeling of justification, of salvation, because now I have this exterior sign of my religiosity, my relationship with God is going to be on this basis. And if my relationship with God is going to be on the basis of my work, everything else is in danger. Paul reminds them that one act of trusting the salvific power of the law would not mean that they will be saved. Actually, the only way, pay attention I'm going to say, the only way you can be saved by the law, if it is you obey the entire law. That's why he clearly says here, you have to keep, verse 3, you have to keep the whole law. If you want any feeling of salvation, of justification by the law, verse 3, look at your Bible, you have to, you are obligated to keep the whole law. So answer me there. Is it is this even possible to keep the whole law? No. 
And actually, maybe you made your small moral list, your small moralistic rules and regulations. You shall not smoke, you shall not steal, you shall not kill. And you think that obeying that will be enough. But it is 613 commandments, my friend, that you might stumble at least in 600 of them. Actually, you're going to stumble in all of them. Because even if we want to love God perfectly, we're going to fail that. We have to love as a fruit of His love first for us. You must obey it all if you want to feel safe, righteous. And why this is so dangerous? No, because the, the unbeliever, the unbelievers in the world, the lost, the moralist, the people in the world for centuries are doing exactly that. They are building their ladder to heaven using good works, trying through religious rituals or other external things. And they are trying to build this ladder to heaven, but it always crumbs down. And that's the principle of the law. The principle of the law has this aspect of, I can do myself to heaven. And the consequence is very serious. It's very bad. Let's take a look in three terrible consequences of relying on the law. Number one, Christ profits you nothing. Galatians chapter 5 verse 2. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. My uh, formation as college student, my foreigner degrees, because I tried to use them here in the United States, they were with no use, no profit at all. I'll say to my neighbors, I'll talk to my uh, American friends, look, I am a physicist. Actually, I studied civil engineer, they look at me, nice, but no effect. There is no profit in saying that because there is no power in my formation here. An illustration that comes to my mind is what Paul also told to the Corinthians church. They were taking the Lord's Supper, but they were not enjoying the power of the Lord's Supper. Because they were taking as just a piece of bread, just a small portion of wine. And they were taking that as something natural. And Paul says... Uh, the Lord's Supper power, it's being powerless in your life. And that's why a lot of you guys, even in having the opportunity to be healed, opportunity to be refreshed, re-energized, you guys are dying early because you are not enjoying the power of the Lord's Supper. That's what happens when we try to rely on the law. Even after being saved, Christ profits us nothing. It loses its effect. The reasoning is very simple. If we could save ourselves by keeping the law, then the Lord need not have died on the cross. And to try to justify ourselves by works is to say that Jesus' death was useless. We don't want that. Number two, the terrible consequence of relying on the law. Paul says, verse 4, you are severed from Christ. You could be justified by the law. Now, in other words, 
you are being separated from the life of Christ. In other words, you have all the reasons to rejoice, to celebrate, but you, but you live in depression and sadness, that feeling of loneliness. You have all resources you need. God is your provider. He is the owner of the earth and all in it. God is the possessor for gold and silver. He is the richest father you could ever desire to have. But you live in misery, begging for some crumbs. You have all hell and life. But your life is full of all sorts of disease and sickness. What is the problem here? You are severed from Christ. You would be justified by the law. His work and power became ineffective in you. It's almost like a branch of wine that instead of being the vineyard, this branch is severed, is separated. It's still a, a vine branch, but has no life. There is no sap, there is no uh, 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 life flowing. If we discard Christ in our daily life, even though we might still profess to be Christian, we still live in an impoverished life. I don't want that. We can only enjoy Christ when we rely on His grace and not on our works. That's how Paul, Paul insists how severe, how serious is this aspect. And the number three consequence of those that rely on the external religious performance. You fall from grace. The same verse, Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. You have fallen away from grace. So to add circumcision here means to lose Christ. To seek to be justified by the law is to fall from grace. We cannot add circumcision, the law or anything else to Christ as something necessary for our justification. Only Christ is sufficient. He himself. And this is not again redundancy. This is emphasis. Paul is just saying the only way we can enjoy freedom is you embracing what grace can give you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life without the grace of God. Grace is what opened doors for me. Grace is what makes the connections with the right people. Grace is what actually blesses me when I know I do not deserve. Grace is what allowing me with my broken English to preach before you guys. Beautiful face. Without grace, what I will be, where I will be. I need grace. Grace is this unmerited favor that makes things that I know by myself I will never be able to do it. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. When a person is in Christ, nothing else is necessary. Christ's work is so complete and perfect. Nothing can improve our standing before God. All that we need in order to be accepted by God is to be in Christ. We become free from the law. However, this doesn't mean that now we can live 
just under our fleshy desires, our immoral desires. The Christian life, lived by faith in grace, does not eliminate the need for good works and obedience to God. Paul says in verse 5, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What Paul is saying is that the genuine faith works by love. What he's trying to say is that if you really trust the work of the Spirit, you're going to be changed from within. God is calling us to a faith that has worked, but works in love. A faith that works by love is a living faith that manifests how much grace we have received. Another verse Paul says that, okay, if you really want to obey the law, the entire law, what you need to do is to love. See, it summarizes the entire obedience of the law in one simple act. Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is what Paul says. But how are you going to love? That's the question. Where is your source of love? Let's always stand up this morning as we close this service. I don't know what you are trusting to have a relationship with God. But we are being reminded week after week that the way of righteousness, the way of Genuine transformation happens only if we grow in grace. If our faith in the finished work of the cross is so firm, then nothing is going to wave us from that place. And that's my altar call for you this morning. I want to invite you to place your faith in Jesus again. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Would you say this to the person close to you? My brother, stand firm. Say again, say stand firm. The Bible says, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Close your eyes.